Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome to Wrestling Rewind. I am your host, Angel Amoroso, and I am joined by my co-host, the Iron Man, Tommy Cairo. Hey, what's happening, Angel? And this week, uh, it's time again for Wrestling Archives. So uh, what do you got for us this week, Tommy? Uh, Today, we're going to have a a classic matchup. We're going to have Memphis Wrestling from March 22nd, 1980, at a Memphis, Tennessee, WMC5. Channel oh. 5 TV studio against NWA Southeastern Championship Wrestling. Same day, March 22nd, 1980. This is out of Knoxville, Tennessee, out of the WBIR Channel 10 TV studio. So not only are they uh, the same day uh, and date, but um, both out of their uh, respective TV studios, which has right. always been my favorite way to watch wrestling. Yes, yes. Just that personal touch. Being in that 100, 150 people, you know, they throw a sign up beside, outside the studio, TV taping today. Uh, if there was a charge, it was very minimal. Uh, and people, you know, got to watch uh, wrestling live and see, you know, the angles set up and, the, you know, all the interviews leading up to the bigger shows, which, as we all know, is how these uh, companies built uh, their, their uh, cards uh, by running the angles on TV and then you know, offering the show live at uh, any given point, usually probably once a month, the big shows. So you had, you know, four weeks of TV taping to lead up to that, which is the way it's supposed to be. Exactly. So, I'll tell you, I, I myself uh, started out as a, when I was a wrestling fan, went to Memphis and USWA studios and got to experience uh, it just, you know, the crowd and the atmosphere and one of my favorite experiences. And then I got to go back there in 1995 to wrestle Miss Texas. So uh, one of the most magical experiences of my life, uh, you know, it, always the studio wrestling with the smaller crowds and the cameras right there and Lance Russell and all the, you know, yep. the great announcers and everything. Just just a magical moments. But USWA provided, I think, all of us as wrestlers. Yeah. As I said previously, I used to love how, um, as a Bob Caudle, uh, Lance Russell, you know, would always call the na- guys by their names when they were getting crazy out, you know, in front of the desk. Come on, Jerry. You know, like, yeah. you, know you knew there was that personal, you know, uh, connection, to it, which right. made, it pretty, made it pretty cool, you know. Um, and often he, his pleas fell on, fell on deaf ears as they continued to rip the studio apart almost weekly, which was to me was some of the best, you know, the brawls right there in front of the, 
desk. Uh, so Absolutely. And, and, you know, you, you, you couldn't do anything but, you know, lay him in because everything was so close. You know, so pretty much they were beating each other up pretty good. When, right. when had those, in those studios, there was no place to hide. You know, everything was just feet away. So right. made for some some uh, very yes, some very um, tight work. Mm. Okay, so we're going to start out here. We're going to let you know who the champions were currently in Memphis at that time. Was the AWA World Champion again? He would bop in and out. Um, but because he wasn't there every show, because he was out defending the title, he would come in every once in a while, like Ric Flair used to do on World Championship Wrestling. But then they had their supporting cast of the smaller titles, where you also had uh, another world champion, CWA, uh, was also you know recognized there in Memphis. And then the AWA Southern Heavyweight Championship, which was held by Jimmy Valiant, uh, and AWA Southern Tag Team Champions were Paul Ellering, and Sheikh Ali Hassan. So uh, at this point, the world, CWA World Champion was vacant. No. So we'll start. We'll start out with um, a tag team match: Sheikh uh, Paul Ellery and Sheikh Ali Hassan. Who, unless it's somebody that we know with a different name, I'm not sure who that is. With Jimmy Hart versus Steve Regal and Bobby Lyons. Steve Regal was somebody I, I, I enjoyed. Thought he was a good worker. He didn't. He didn't go real, real far, but he was a big star locally. And Bobby Lyons, I can't say I'm familiar. I'm embarrassed to say. I'll have to look him up. Uh, Ellering is strutting around, super proud of winning the Southern Tag titles. Hassan doesn't seem to care one way or another. Regal and Lyons, Lyons take control of Ellering for a bit, though until until Ellering powers up and re, powers up. Regal and slams him down. Regal outsmarts Hassan with a dropkick and grabs a headlock. Thanks to Ellering hopping in the ring, Hassan is free to rake the eyes to get out of the hole. Tagged to Ellering, tagged to Ellering, he slams Regal and misses a big elbow drop. Lyons tags in but can't stop Ellering reaching Hassan. Lyons gets whipped into the ropes for a knee but manages to punch Hassan back and tags Regal. He's all hot. Gets, gets. It, <laughs> He's all hot, but makes Ellering mad and gets Regal cornered on the wrong side of town. Regal fights back against Hassan, but Lyons takes a low blow when ref Paul Morton gets distracted. Ellering tags in and beats up Lyons. He tags out, and Regal tries to put somebody away. He's, done, he's gone. Drop kick, he's gone drop kick crazy here. Tagged to Lyons. He gets pushed into the ropes for the O'Connor roll, which gets flubbed. I'm sure that move is harder to pull off than it looks. Ellering gets pissed off and starts slamming Lyons over and over. He gives Lyons a half-done atomic drop and covers him for the win at 10.03. So it sounds like it was a little bit of a choppy match. Um, but, you know, that happens sometimes. People just don't, you know, gel, especially if they haven't worked together in a while. Right. Well, they had 10 minutes to work it out. And, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> but unfortunately, talking it out in the back is a lot different than, you know, going out. Working there it out in the ring. Exactly. And a lot of times you'll see on these cards, um, it's kind of haphazard. I, I guess um, maybe it depends on who came and who didn't. But a lot of times there's these odd tag team matches with different people put together that wouldn't normally be. So who knows, you know. What the I guess it was like uh, on a whoever showed up basis yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know. Okay. Uh, time for some Louisville Garden promos. 
They put Superstar Bill Dundee in a coal miner's glove match with Sonny King. Dundee stops by to talk some smack. Next up, there will be a six-man tag with Ken Lucas, Billy Robinson, and Jimmy Valiant. There you go, right there. Taking on Paul Ellering, Ali, Hassan, and Jimmy Hart. Lucas puts over Robinson as a guy who holds grudges, and he's looking for revenge. You can't do promos without handsome Jimmy Valiant either. Six is one of his favorite numbers. He says he's been married six times and divorced seven. The guy is always a classic on the mic in Memphis. I will say that. Um, so, you know, ever the showman, uh, you can always depend on handsome Jimmy Valiant. Of course. Talking. You know, we talked you know, about that before. That charisma was a killer. Yeah. And he was kind of out there. Uh, you know, he had that. I think he had like a star tattoo here or something. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he had that beard. I think he was a very eccentric type of guy. But really very interesting. interesting. Yeah. I think he, I found him very interesting. Mm. Uh, Jimmy Bannon and Ken Lucas versus Dennis Upton and David Oswald. And Angry Lucas starts out beating up Oswald. In comes Valiant. He slings Oswald over to Upton. He does a little slamming and pounding. He tags Lucas to get a break. Lucas delivers a back elbow and drops a couple knees on Upton for the win at 2 minutes and 33 seconds. Squash. Yeah. So <laughs> Big if, squash. Let me see going forward if we see much more of that Valiant and Ken Lucas. Ken Lucas was a big name uh, for the area at that time. Right, so I right. imagine they did uh, more more matches together. Mm. Um, they show the last minute or so of the Southern Tag Titles change in Louisville back on March 15th. A recap of that match and the wild aftermath is just a click away. Um, more Louisville Garden promos. The opening bout will be the Blonde Bombers. Wayne Farris, who is oh. Honky Tonk Man, and Larry Latham against Ricky and Robert Gibson. Steve Regal teams up with Rick Morton against Dr. D. David Schultz and Dennis Condren. Plus, superstar Bill Dundee faces Sonny King in a coal miner's glove match. The main event will be the six-man with Ken Lucas, Billy Robinson, and Jimmy Valiant taking on Paul Ellering, Ali Hassan, and Jimmy Hart. Uh, Buddy Wayne versus Rick Morton. So they're back to, I guess, the TV studio. Despite the size difference, Morton maintains a hold of Buddy. Buddy and keeps him ground with headlocks and hammerlocks. Paul Morton is refereeing his this thing, and nobody seems to notice that might be a problem. Wayne finally catches Rick with a knee, but a Fez press catches Buddy Buddy off guard, and Morton picks up the win at four eleven. I guess because Paul Morton is the brother of Ricky Morton, they expected maybe um, some favoritism, but uh, I don't <laughs> think that happened in four minutes and eleven seconds. So no, not at all. This Paul Morton thing, right? Yeah. Didn't hear um, from him much. Yep. Okay. Um, now we go to superstar Bill Dundee, Ricky and Robert Gibson versus Sonny King, Dr. D, David Schultz, and Dennis Condry. Condry starts the match and gets fr frustrated by Dundee and Robert. Tag to Schultz. He doesn't have much more luck. In comes Ricky. He gets drilled with a drop kick as Sonny gets a tag. King punishes Ricky with a Randy Orton-style chin lock. Somehow it looks much painful, though. Much more painful, though. When Ricky tries to stand up, King bends Ricky over his knee with the hold still applied. Awesome. While Robert and Dundee start to come into the ring, 
King brings Ricky over to Conjury to choke him on the top rope while Schultz lowers the boom. As things calm down, King gets his showdown with Dundee. They slug it out until Schultz grabs Dundee by the tights so that King can headbutt him. Conjury delivers knee drops to Dundee, but can't get the pinfall. In comes Dr. D. He hits a suplex for two. Sonny nails Dundee and twists on the neck. More shots are traded. Dundee catches King with an elbow, but Sonny tags out. Schultz gets whipped into the ropes for a drop kick by Ricky. Double KO ensues. Conjure gives Ricky a huge backdrop for two. Sonny tags in and puts Ricky down for a neck vice. There's get, things get a little out of control, but then Conjury whips Robert into the corner and charges into a Jack Briscoe roll-up for the three count to win the fall at nine minutes and 34 seconds. Russell really loved this first fall, and so did I. Lance Russell, I guess he's referring to. Oh, was it a one fall? Is this like a two out of three fall match? I mean, I didn't, they didn't say that. Yeah, I, I don't remember that in the intro, but uh, I, I assume that there's more falls. Oh, no, he just, yeah, he just said to, for a roll-up three count to win the fall. Not necessarily. Okay, okay so there's no other falls. There's no. just. I all right. The same thing. Yep. Yeah, a little confusing, but sounded good. Well, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of action back and forth. Sonny right. King, I loved Sonny King when he was in the WWF. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a, a baby face at that time. And I don't even think he was um, top billing, but, you know, he was up there. Okay. Um, our last of the Louisville Garden promos for the night. Russell hypes up the six-man tag main event for Tuesday night and brings in Paul Ellering, Ali Hassan, and Jimmy Hart. Jimmy wonders why people are always trying to get to him in the ring. He's a manager, not a wrestler. Ellering goes off on a coke-filled rant, calling Billy Robinson, Ken Lucas, and Jimmy Valiant the three little pigs, and they will set their house on fire. Oh, boy. Lance Russell Russell wishes we had two hours today for the six-man tag. Unfortunately, we do not. Russell and Brown wrap up the show, and we're out of here for another week. So A coke-filled rant, huh? Yeah, wow. Wow. Well, strong. I think that... <laughs> okay, <laughs> they yeah. said it. You just. Yeah, I'm quite sure it's probably true. As probably. Many of the, uh, we've heard many of the. Uh, yeah. You know, got when on top five. It. Yeah. <laughs> when doubt it, won't be shocked. Seen it. I'm sure, I'm sure it's it. a lot quicker than it's supposed <laughs> to be. Sure. All right. So, as usual for USWA. Always a lot of action. Always. Uh, a lot of angles going at the same time. But as you will attest, it never made for uh, a boring show. Never. I don't think I've ever watched a, a USWA program and walked away and was be- been like, oh, that, that was really boring. Like yeah. never, ever boring nope. was ever a word to describe USWA. Absolutely. Always perfect. The right amount of violence, the right amount of like, you know, skill where you needed it. And it just perfect. Yeah. I mean, if you compare it to a WWF, uh, you know, TV at the time, a lot more action, a lot more going on. Absolutely. They took a lot more chances, too. You know, Um, I guess they had to. They were playing to a smaller demographic and a smaller population. 
So you had to go the extra mile to keep people interested. And, we don't know if it's because, like, at the time there was maybe limitations on what can be shown on TV, or maybe yeah. it's just that they didn't want to get into that type of wrestling. Yeah. You know, whereas USWA, you know, they had their TV in their studio, what they had, not as big as the WWF, uh, WWF rather. But uh, in the same, you, you figured you know, they had a little bit more leniency out of Channel 5 than. Sure. WWF would out of, you know, their bigger yes. and so different products. Yep. All right. Products. So now we will go to what was under the NWA Southeastern Championship Wrestling. March 22nd, same day as the last uh, card, 1980, Knoxville, Tennessee, WBIR, Channel 10 TV studio. The current Southeast Championship Wrestling are, and again, the recognizing NWA World Champion Harley Race. And to get around the fact that he wasn't there all the time, of course, they had their supporting cast, which was the NWA Southeastern Heavyweight Champion, who was Killer Carl Cox, big fan. Uh, NWA Southeastern Tag Team Champions, the Manchurians. Not quite sure who they, they were. I'm sure they're workers that we knew, just with a different name. Uh, NWA Southeastern TV Champion was Dutch Mantel. And the NWA U.S. Junior Heavyweight Champion, was Tony Charles, a guy from England who was a really good worker in the um, fashion of like a, um, I, can't, I rem never remember the guy's name, a short little stocky English guy. It'll come to me later. Um, I think they actually, the two of them had some great matches. Les Thornton. Les Thornton. Okay. Okay. Uh, your host for the show, uh, NWA Southeastern Championship Wrestling, is Les Thatcher. Okay, Terry Taylor versus Ron Slinker. Thatcher describes Slinker as a karate guy who has successfully switched over to catch-as-catch-can style wrestling. He even goes as far as to say Slinker is a contender to Harley Race. I don't know about that. Les Slinker, Les, Slinker looks like John Denner to me. Look him up, kids. Taylor is very young here. He's probably about Six to seven months in the business at this point. Wow. He got, yep, Scrappy McGowan as the referee. Um, it's strange because I'm so used to seeing him only in Georgia before that operation shut down. Anyway, he exchanged leg and arm holds until they start going for the quick pin without really any setup. Slinker is the one who manages to score the pinfall with an inside cradle in 403. I really expected this to go the other way. Okay. Yeah, I remember Ron Slinker. He was like a tall guy. He used to wear karate pants. Um, he's yeah. a team at WCW. It's like a pretty good hand. You know, journeyman guy. Okay. Okay, then it says, um, in, I'm loving these promos set to disco music. I'm sure that gets over real good in Knoxville. I'm sure it doesn't. Back to the show. A referee calls for babyface Ole Anderson to be suspended for beating him up real bad. Killer Carl Cox stops by to support what the referee wants to happen. They were in the Marines together for crying out loud. The audio is pretty bad, so it's hard to figure out what's going on. But it sounds like there will be a lights-out match between Ole and KKK, Killer Carl Cox. Next up, Troy T. Tyler, clearly doing a Dusty Rhodes imitation, talks about his upcoming NWA South Southeastern heavyweight title match with Killer Carl Cox in Hazard, Kentucky. 
Memphis fans will remember him as a dream machine. I do remember that. <laughs> All right, the Manchurians with the great Mephisto versus the Matador and Jerry Roberts. I think Jerry Roberts was one of the um, Hollywood blondes at one point. Okay. All right, the Matador is under the hood as the great Jerry Stubbs, while Jerry Roberts is best known as Jacques Rougeau because smelly Frenchmen don't get over. I can't re read this. All right, as blows the hub baby faces down in Knoxville anyway. This is America, folks. In case it's confusing, the Manchurians are essentially the Mongolians here. Makes sense, right? They are geographic neighbors after all. Ron Slinker has joined the Thatcher for extra special commentary. Big brawl to start as the great Mephisto decides to leave after getting beat up. Matador gets his rib stomped by the Manchurians and stuck in a chin lock, tagged to Roberts. He gets stuck in the Manchurians' corner with heel moves. Roberts takes a knee and falls back into his corner to tag the Matador. It's bad news for the Manchurians, but for some reason, Roberts, get tagged, Roberts gets tagged in again. He hits one of the Manchurians with a drop kick from the second rope, but telegraphs a backdrop. The great Mephisto is back at ringside now. One of them applies a nerve hold on Roberts until he can't continue to get the win at 532. The match was fun, but the aftermath is even more interesting. With Roberts out, the Matador gets double teamed and tied up in the ropes to be whipped. When Ron Slinker comes to save him, the great Mephisto throws a fireball at him. Down goes Slinker. Now, I like always like that fireball thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially if it's done right. And we had, uh, I had done that in my promotion a couple of times um, with none other than Rock and Rebel, you know, throwing it. And we um, taped a promo for an upcoming match and used that in the promo. And it's, it's absolutely spectacular. Right in the guy's face, big, big flash. And, awesome. uh, it's, not, it's not very dangerous because it goes up so quick that it can't even, you know, get to your face. But, right, but it looks so powerful. It does. It and w awesome. when people use it, it's like, oh, wow, that was just such a, such a magical part of, part of the show. Yeah. Like, you don't see people throwing fire at each other much in fights. No. So when you do see it, it's a pretty special event. Absolutely. Then, you know, the guy comes back for at least two weeks with his face taped up. You know, it's a right. good gimmick. Okay. Uh, when, we, when we return from a break, the Matador complains about being beat like a dog and can't wait to get his hands on the great Mephisto. Les Thatcher is now with Alan Williams and promoter Bob Polk. They discuss how out of hand and violent wrestling has gotten lately. Polk wants anybody who has photographic evidence of the incident involving the Manchurians and the Matador and Jerry Roberts that happened out in the parking lot last week during the TV taping to let him know because right now it's just one person's word over another. And that doesn't mean a whole lot. Talk turns to killer Carl Cox wanting Ole Anderson to be suspended for hitting the ref. But Stan Hansen stands up for Ole and shows video proof that there might be some serious collusion between killer Carl and that referee. In one instance, killer Carl knocked out Ole with some foreign objects from his tights in plain sight of the ref and didn't get DQ'd for it. In fact, the ref still just counted the three count like normal in a second instance, 
uh, only beats up the ref and gets held by Killer Carl Cox to be punched on by the ref. Now that's collusion. Hansen mentions other instances where Killer Carl Cox won matches in other areas and the guy was a referee there as well. Hansen feels that referees should be suspended and that Killer Carl has a belt that doesn't mean anything because he didn't win it fair and square. Hansen leaves his cowboy hat there on the table to go wrestle. I have a breech door. Did you see my dog go behind us? Uh, no. Hold on. You can't see that far down, so we're good. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Oh, he's adorable, though. Come on. Oh, he's so hot. Hmm? <laughs> Come on. I wouldn't mind seeing him on camera for a couple minutes, actually. Sorry. Won't be too bad. That's all right. Where we left off. Wow. That's my fault for leaving the door. Not all the way closed. Oh, boy. Anyway, at least we're getting our breaks, right? <laughs> okay. Ready to go. All right. Now, this is one I really got to have to look up. All right. Um, Stan Hansen versus Surratt. S-E-R-A-P-H. That's a new one to me. Anyway, uh, sounds like it's going to be a quick one. While Hanson is in the ring, Killer Carl Cox comes out and screws around with his hat. Killer Carl Cox takes out his pocket knife and cuts up the hat. The crowd, crowd is yelling at Hanson to look over at the table. Oh, boy. About two minutes. Hanson finally sees what's happening and gets into a fight with Cox. Nobody messes with Hanson's stuff and gets away with it. Awesome. Now, I'll tell you, I got to tell you a story about Stan Hansen. Um, I was at the um, Wildwood, Hall, Wildwood Convention Hall in Wildwood, New Jersey. He was on a card. I remember, actually, I was in a, um, a battle royal that included Bruiser Brody, Stan oh. Hansen, Crazy Luke Graham, Abdul Little Butcher, a whole bunch of others. And on that night, I walked into one of the dressing rooms and uh, Bruiser Brody was sitting there. So I, I tried to, you know, excuse myself. I said, sorry. He goes, no, no, brother, sit down. He left from there and went to Puerto Rico and that's when he got killed. So I saw him right before he went. And he was Chat. telling me how, you know, he'd been on the road forever and he couldn't wait to get home, uh, but he had to make a quick trip to Puerto Rico. And that's the trip he made and never came back. Tragic. Yeah, pr pretty bad. But Stan Hansen, uh, I remember we were getting in our car, pulling out of the parking lot, and he was walking. So he must have parked his car, you know, a couple blocks away. And we fought kind of like we're behind him, kind of like following. Like we were wondering where he was going. Then we realized he was headed towards his car. And he got to his car. No, I'm sorry. While he was walking. I saw him look around before he, you know, he looked around and he took his hat off. Like he was staying in character, you know, in case anybody saw him, they wanted him to see him with his hat on. Right. And he made that look around and took his hat off and made his way to his car. So that was, that was a little lesson there. You know? Always keeping a kayfabe. Yeah. All right. Check out this out. Check out this. Troy T. Tyler promo. It's so much dusty. It's hilarious. 
Thatcher points out that Tyler is a protege of Dusty Rhodes because it's undeniable. He explains how a bull rope match works with the gimmick in his hand. When Dutch Mantel comes out for their match, he gets awful pumped up and heads to the ring for their match. So this is uh, for the NWA Southeastern TV title, Dutch Mantel as a champion versus Troy T. Tyler. Now, I never, um, I, I finally came across this Troy T. Tyler, and uh, I wondered if, you know, if he had like an agreement with Dusty Rhodes to make that, you know, make his, himself look like that. He looked just like him. He was did he? Set, you know, he worked like him. Yeah. Wow. Definitely did a good job. Anyway, um, we'll start out this match. Uh, it starts out all Tyler as he beats Dutch from corner to corner. Back elbow and a splash gets two. Dutch fires low and rakes the face to take control. Running knee drop by Mantel sets up a chin lock. Tyler escapes and goes back to his brawling tactics. Mantel tears at the eyes to slow him down. He misses an elbow drop, though, and Tyler comes back with jabs. They trade more shots, but Mantel takes him over with a back suplex. Both men are down. Mantel goes for a slam, but Tyler falls on top for two. Everybody gets knocked down on this next exchange, including the ref. When they return to their feet, Mantel grounds Tyler for the Cobra Clutch. Tyler sees it coming and retreats to the floor. Back inside, Tyler finds himself on top of Mantel and rings blows down upon him. Mantel goes to the eyes again and grabs a bear hug. Once Tyler escapes, the ref gets nailed again, this time falling out to the floor. As Mantel starts running the ropes, he runs into a back elbow and takes a weak bionic elbow from Tyler. Another ref, Bart Brett Sawyer, appears and slides into the ring to count the pinfall, 601. Ladies and gents, we've got a new TV champion. The fight continues after the bell as Mantell posts Tyler and puts the boots to him to bust him open. Tyler finally scares Mantell away with the bull rope. This ain't over, not by a long shot. You know, I always liked when they changed the title on TV. You felt like you were, you know, really getting to see something. Sure. Um, and, you know, it wasn't often enough that it got old. And, you know, they did it in between... Uh, you know, they could set that up now for the rematch to be at the, at the bigger show. So it didn't hurt them by changing the title on TV. It was just basically a setup for, you know, the bigger crowd. Right, right. Uh, it, said, it says here, time for some more Hazard Kentucky promos. Stan Hansen hypes his NWA world title match with Harley Race. He's going to bring it to you, Harley. Seems like an interesting match. Would Harley take the lariat? I wonder. And Les Thatcher and Alan Williams wrap up the show for the week. The Matador wishes Ron Slinker the best in his recovery, especially since he's looking to face Harley Race since he's coming to town. Matador shows us the welts on his back again and vows revenge. Stan Hansen stops by once more with his cut-up cowboy hat to let Killer Carl Cox know their beef is only getting started. Woo! So, pretty good, uh, I would say... A lot of, not similar, but yeah, some similar type of angles and all done in the close confines of the studio, which again, like I said, was always, uh, I always liked it. Um, that close knit, you know, up close and personal shot that you get, which is much different than in the big arenas where, you know, you're much further away. 
Right. Only a couple rows of fans in the studios, so it gives it like, you know, a whole different, it's a closer feeling and it makes you, it actually does make you work different, you know, because because the fans are so close and because they could see so much and hear so much, you know, there's uh, very little room for error. When yeah. when you're that close and the TV, the cameras are that close to you. So, uh, you know, you really have to watch how you work and, and how well you know your opponent to, you know, know what's coming next That's without right. having to, you know, tell each other because they're right there. But, uh, yeah, a whole yeah. different feel to a studio. Definitely uh, a lot cozier yeah. than in uh, I remember. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, – on my uh, debut for uh, Todd Gordon, ECW at the Philadelphia Sports Bar, um, I brought Damian Stone with me, and uh, I told him I'm going to throw you right out over by Do- Todd Gordon, and you know we chopped each other right in front of him. He was like, you know, his eyes popped out of his head. So you know, it's a everybody knows that you know, um, so you got to you got to turn it up a little bit if you're going to get beat up anywhere and, and get potatoed couple times it's going to be more than likely it's going to be there in the studio right wants to look stupid you know and especially when you're that close in you know phantom punch or or kick yeah (laughs) no pulling the head up and two tackles drop down leapfrog hip toss you know you can't do that not doing it today yeah they do it today watch it on the nwa show or one of those pcw um, so that's something that, that well, today, what do they do with their, their training, like models and whatever, it, move for move and whatever. And, and it's still not coming out right from what I understand. Yeah. So <laughs> how good is it? Yep. So I don't know. It's kind of, to me, I don't know. I'll let you tell me what you think, but I, I, to me, I, I want to call this almost like a draw. Um, I think the action was. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more action with uh, Memphis wrestling, but uh, Southeastern is right there. You know, um, similar, much similar intensity in yeah. in, in both. Uh, you know, with the pair ups of all the different matches and the talent that was used, uh, just and the, the, the description of the matches itself. I think uh, pretty much run neck and neck. You know, yeah. uh, in I the two, I do, I, I do have to say that I probably preference USWA a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, it, that and that's just me. I, yeah. I think that they always put on a fantastic show and always uh, just brought it to you with all the violence that you could get that you weren't really getting anywhere else. So uh, you know, it, if I had to choose one of the other, one or the other, which. In this case, I do. Um, I, w- I would say USWA. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a, it's a toss-up for me. Uh, you know what? I was unfamiliar um, up until not too quite a while ago, but for a long time, I had never ever really seen the Southeastern show. And it's funny because uh, Memphis is under a- AWA jurisdiction, and S- uh, Southeastern was under NWA. So they're both like a smaller league for the bigger league. Um, right. I found that interesting. Um, you know, but but uh, uh, Memphis and Jerry Lawler were always tied 
to the AWA. Um, you know, Jerry Lawler held the AWA heavyweight title. And I think the unified title was, you know, involved the AWA. But for me, um, Les Thatcher, who was, you know, uh, a perennial uh, worker, and, uh, you know, him being uh, the host of the NWA Southeastern, which if you look back at uh, results in history, you'll find out that the ICW, which was Lanny and, and, and uh, Lanny Poffo and Macho Man's dad's territory, Angelo Poffo, right. they um, shared talent and they were battling back and forth in the same area. Um, the TV show looks almost identical. Um, the rosters are, are, are similar. So I think they kind of went back and forth and eventually there was a split, but very similar uh, style and, and um, roster. So that's, uh, I think ICW was considered like, you know, an outlaw promotion at the time. But uh, if you look up and watch some of their TV, it's very similar to Southeastern. So Southeastern was a little bit more interesting to me because I hadn't seen much of it. And uh, the right. shows are pretty good. So I'll, I'll go for Southeastern. So we'll have to split that one. Okay. Well, I'd say, yeah, I, I can imagine it's something that's like, you know, a little newer. It's, yeah. It could be... Somewhat more interesting sometimes. So yeah, yeah. I mean, don't forget, I didn't grow up. Most of my life as a fan was before you could, you know, hit a button and watch anything you wanted. So you know, I'm still excited that I can watch anything I want on YouTube, and I'll often then amazing, rare, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I like to put type in rare TV wrestling, and you'll find. Promotions that ran for a short period of time that had TV, you know, North Atlantic Championship Wrestling. There's so many of them. As a matter of fact, I got a new book. I don't have it right on me here. It's a uh, Through the Lens and Through the Ropes. Uh, and it's all South uh, Championship Wrestling was Ray and Ann Gunkel, who ran opposition to the Welches and eventually the Jarretts. Uh, oh. Um, and wow. Unique. Yeah, unique situation. I think um, not too long after her husband died, she kept the promotion going. And uh, but they were in heavy competition with so many other uh, bigger groups. But they uh, they held on for a few years. And you know, uh, although there's no text in the book, you'd have to go somewhere else for the history. It's got all the pictures of the workers from that area and um, a lot of big stars that performed elsewhere at the same time. So don't forget, some of these guys had to work for, you know. Yeah, that might be interesting to, uh, yeah, that might be really interesting to cover uh, sometime in the future to, uh, you know, maybe breeze through that book and take a look at each picture that's actually in there to let people, give people an idea of where people were before, you know, they were before, you know, they were famous. So uh, very interesting, really interesting stuff. What's that there, Tommy? Stop there. I didn't hear. No, no, What's I just that? said real, real interesting stuff there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. So I would imagine that there are other fans that similarly feel the same way. Right? Um, I like to uh, imagine now, you know, when you hear this, you get a picture. Imagine what it was like to be a worker at that time when there were so many places you could go. And if you got worn out in an area, it was not uncommon for promotions to work with each other. You know, four guys, I'll send you four guys. You know, when guys start to get stale, 
So you don't keep having the same guys over and over and over again. Right. Not so much like I'll, like now. You, it seems like people that don't. That was N.W. Hollywood. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's a completely different world. Um, I remember watching uh, championship. It was uh, actually from the Olympic Auditorium. Um, it came in and spent one out of like Newark or Elizabeth, and uh, it came from the uh, uh, Olympic Auditorium. And you know, the famous RI nine five one seven one was uh, across the screen, um, up on top, like where the microphone came from. And uh, they had, it was a great show, except that you can tell that they were using anybody who was coming through because of California being where it is. If they were going anywhere, Japan, New Zealand, you know, Australia, uh, Hawaii, uh, they would stop there. And, you know, they must have an agreement with Mike Lavelle or Gene Lavelle. They stop in and we'll, we'll put you on, you know. But what happened was it was like a hodgepodge of guys that didn't have any, you know, um, you know, storyline that just kind of popped in, you know, and they had out of, out of nowhere, like, you know, like ECW did with me and Ivan Koloff. We had no prior match, but we had a, a, a chain match. Right. So they did that right. a lot. Yeah, they did that a lot. But what was good about it is you got to see this constant parade of different God. Different people coming in and out, right? Yeah. See, and this is the problem now is that people want to, you know, keep the guys like right where they are, even if it's independence and they have no contract, they don't want to help other promoters use them, you know. Yeah. And it's ridiculous because it, it it hinders them. Everyone needs as much exposure as they could possibly get before yeah. they actually get a contract, you know, where yeah. they then they are held. So uh, back then it was a, like more of a, a mix of different people helping each other and being able to use different guys and give them all the exposure that they needed in order to get the work, you know, yeah. that for everyone to see them. And uh, it's just not like that anymore. I don't think it's like that anymore. Well, you know, Vince McMahon killing all the territories. I, it, it, it's getting to be like that again on a much smaller level. Like an indie guy today, like what, what blows my mind is the amount of indie groups that are out there and active. I mean, I remember back when we were running, you know, going back as far as 10, 12 years ago, you know, there weren't any anywhere near as many. Now it's like so many different companies with decent uh, production and decent, you know, TV. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot. so I think in a, in a way it's building back to a point where if all of them could become more successful um, and be a feeder or a, a, a minor league, to the bigger groups, which, you know, uh, you watch WWE or you watch AEW, which I can't. Watching AEW is like the same thing, a hodgepodge. You know, there's guys coming in, guys going out, you know, little guys. You know, it's just not fun. I don't see any advantage to watching it over the older stuff. Plus, there's such a great amount of a you know, big libraries of older stuff that it's like this. If I read a book 15 years ago and I pick it up and I don't remember it, it's new again. It's like I'm watching it again, you know, reading it for the first time. Exactly. So, That's what's fun so, about history. Yeah. We, we couldn't in a million years watch all the, the, the content that is available 
from all these groups, world class, uh, mid south, you know, all of them. Um, it would take us forever, you know. So that's a good thing. There's no, there's no uh, supply going to run out, you know. As far as you know, I watch every night. I may watch something. Uh, I might just type in classic wrestling, you know, and go through it and pick out videos. And the good thing is, if it's something that that's not too great, you you just go to something else. Well, and social media and YouTube is a yeah. daily motion, whatever. It's so great for that kind of stuff because yeah. you can literally find wrestling archives from like oh generations ago yeah. now uh, that are just up there. It's it's yeah. just there for you to see, and and it's it shows like this where you could come and hear about wrestling archives and, and learn all about it. If you don't want to watch, if you're more of a person yeah. that's uh, listening. We'll so exactly. We'll bring it to you uh, every other week here on wrestling rewind. And um, I think this just about uh, brings us to a close for this episode of wrestling archives. Tommy, do you have anything to close this out with? No, but you know, get in there, get get on YouTube, start looking around, see what you can find, what you can dig up. Uh, and if you're a big fan of wrestling, look at the stuff from England. Um, some of it is fantastic. You know, um, a lot of the guys that you see would eventually come here. Fit Finlay, you know, uh, uh, both of the British Bulldogs, you know, a number of guys that you can find. Mark Rollerball Rocco. Does anybody know who that was? He was Black Tiger. Um, you know, Eddie Guerrero worked under a mask in England. So it's a, a good thing to, to look around, not only through throughout our country, but European wrestling, you know, you got, uh, you got, um, Japanese wrestling is, is yeah. Japanese. Oh my God. Push out always you really, you want, really want to be blown away. Take a look at some of the eighties, uh, new Japan and old Japan TV programs. Awesome. So yeah, it's endless. I don't really teach you right there. Yeah. So, and while you're looking on YouTube, make sure to catch myself, the Virgin Princess Angel, and the Iron Man Tommy Cairo every Sunday at 7 p.m. on YouTube on the Monty and Far and the Pharaohs Network uh, for Wrestling Rewind. And uh, next week we should have an interview coming up. Uh, not going to ruin it by announcing who it is now, but look. <laughs> For it, look for us to be advertising it on social media and uh, stay tuned for that a special episode of Wrestling Rewind with our upcoming interview. And until the next, next Wrestling Archives and Wrestling Rewind, uh, thanks for joining us. I am the Virgin Princess Angel for my co host, the Iron Man Tommy Cairo. Yes, have a, ma'am. Have a nice night and a nice life. See you next time.